0: You're at your old trusty boat, you call Mighty Sparrow. I'm in the
1: city of Mardi Gras.
2: Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Good evening, everybody. So today I was able to go out and actually sail with my soon-to-be cousin-in-law, Francesca, and I mentioned the idea of doing a quick podcast because she works in the world of gemstones, precious, precious diamonds and emeralds and rubies and whatnot, but also is just one heck of a person and has some pretty fantastic ideas about this wonderful world that we live in and how to carry on through it. So we just sat down and sort of So I like to say, shoot from the hip, see where it leads us, and uh, it led us right into an absolutely beautiful podcast, so, (sighs) although I have to say it, if you want to support the show, you can head over to Patreon, the link will be in the description. Other than that, thank you so, so much, we picked up a few new patrons today, and I can't Uh, I just, when I see that happen, uh, it gives me, it invigorates me and keeps me wanting to find more and more people to sit down with and produce uh, as many of these podcasts as possible. So thank you all very, very much. And if you want to contact the show and let us know some other stuff you want to hear about, head over to sailingintooblivion.com, click on the podcast uh, button, and there you go. So without further ado, here we go.
0: I laugh loud. so You should do. I-
2: and we'll probably have to.
0: I'll, I'll,
2: for the first time ever, have to actually <laughs> <and> edit.
0: <laughs> Tone it down a little bit. A little bit, bit
2: of this. But, yeah. Uh, welcome you. to the show.
0: Thank you so much.
2: Francesca. Oh,
0: my God. I'll never have to forget your name because you're also my fiance's name. I know. It is it crazy. Works. Jerome. And it Jerome. it works so well. It doesn't
2: get better. Now, Mm-mm. before we get into the discussion on gemstones, which is. Pretty much your Fun. field of expertise, sailing. Today we oh were out God. on the water. Yes, you were on the helm.
0: It was on snaking the snaking around.
2: I thought I was going to be seasick. It was yeah. amazing,
0: as straight as a snake.
2: Mm.
0: I think um, I did say that. That was I? so good. Yes, but you know what the funny part was? Was that when I ha- the held the tiller, right? The tiller yep. is what I steer the, the, the boat. The tiller is what the boat. Yeah. Was that I knew I was not going straight. And I was trying to make up some sort of metaphor for a drunk snake, oh. and then you said straight as a snake, and I said nailed it.
2: Okay, so well then let me ask you this because I'm I'm standing on the on the back of the boat, and I'm watching, and I'm like, boy, I wonder if she just isn't aware that she keeps turning, <laughs> or if this is something she realizes and mm-hmm. she's trying to correct it. So yeah. what's going through your head when you you're so you say you, you yeah. Realize that this boat is turning.
0: I'll tell you what was going on Violently,
2: by the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. I
0: will tell you that every time you told me to keep my eye on the target, I said, I know, in my mind. Yeah. My eye is on the target.
2: Right, right. (laughs) I'm
0: just doing my best. And this is what I would call- My head
2: rotates. My best. And it goes with the target, Mm -hmm. but the boat does not. So what did you find? I mean, well, and granted- uh, in your defense, the winds mm. were gusty, they were shifty. they were typical Walloon lake winds where were they? oh, they're out of the west is okay. the worst because they're coming over all these hills, and literally you're getting ninety degree wind shifts. Mm-hmm. So dealing with that is not easy under any circumstances, even for a seasoned sailor and you've done i mean, have you sailed outside of with with us on that boat?
0: No. Outside of you on the ensign, I have never sailed before.
2: Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So for our listeners, we we were out sailing on a Pearson ensign, which is 22 and a half feet long or 21 and a half feet long. I'm not sure. Um, small boat, one of the most comfortable small day so sailors. Huge cockpit. You can fit eight people comfortably, but very forgiving. Um, just great all around boat for teaching. And I mean, it's... If all you're doing is helming it and everybody else is doing the sails, you found it good, bad. What do you think?
0: I don't want to say easy, but for someone who knows nothing about sailing, easy. Oh. Only because if you're leaning into sailing as about something that needs feeling, like you said, it's about feeling the winds. Yeah. I can easily extrapolate that into anything else that I have done that requires just that air of feeling.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah,
0: so for me, for example, I love to cook in the kitchen and maybe 5% of the time I will use a recipe, which means that everything else is by feeling. So I lean into the feeling and I said, okay, I can trust my intuition in that way. Part of it was because I had you behind me recognizing, okay, her intuition is actually very off. And we need to steer things back.
2: What do you think you? that'd be like? Maybe having Bobby Flay behind you yes. in the kitchen, and you're and absolutely. Sort of like, <clears throat> oh, you're no, like, you no. might want
0: to use a little salt, or you're. I know you really want to cook this, but your heat is way too high. Let's turn this down a little bit.
2: I would hope that I would be a little more hands off because I. I've always felt that when you're teaching sailing, I can sit there and jabber on like a monkey yeah. in a tree, but until you actually make the connection in your brain with your hand on that mm-hmm. tiller, that's when the real magic happens and you start to understand it. Yeah. And so there is a point where you want to sort of guide a person, but there's a point where you got to just be like, I'm just going to let them sort of do it. Cause there were mm-hmm. plenty of opportunities where you had turned into the wind a bit too much. The sails start to luff, but it wasn't until the power of the boat, the boat like flattens out. You can tell we're not, and then you would just correct right back. And that was when I was like, okay, she's understanding it. It's not completely lost on her. What's going on (laughs) now? It's just a matter of, okay, she just needs like another hour of doing this before all of a sudden. And by the end of it, I mean, you were holding steady course. It was all yes. good. I wanted to start getting into sails and trim and all that, mm. but, yeah, no. <laughs> and I was like, well, teach
1: me
0: all of the knots. We'll save that yeah. for
2: next summer. Yeah. It'll be, you know, in, in two decades, you'll be ready to cross the Atlantic.
0: My God. I know. Well, this is my third summer in a row sailing with you, and the most that I can take away right now is keep your eye on your target. Yes. And then just steer towards that. Yeah. So that's what I did. But this time around was a little bit different because I think for the last two summers, which was also just one sail with you or maybe two times sailing, yeah, was just focusing on the target. But this time around, you add in the dimension of also the power of wind. And there was gusty that one time on the wind. water. Yes, yeah. gusty wind. And there was that one time on the water where you, I had turned in the wrong direction and I squealed. And you had said, okay, so what are you going to do? And I don't want to say that I was terrified, but I was partially afraid because I didn't want to be wrong in front of you. But the also the other part was, oh, my God, the answer is actually on me. So let's just pause for a second.
1: Yeah. Have and a think. think about, exactly,
0: right. think about what went wrong and how do we correct it? And how do we course correct? No pun intended. And yeah. I did. And, and just and it went is, by the feeling. That yeah. is
2: that is sort of the magic that uh, a sailing instructor that's not too busy talking themselves mm-hmm. yeah. gets to sort of bear witness to. And I'll tell you there's been times over the years I probably I there's no way I would know how many people I've taught how to sail. I've seen the magic like sparkle when somebody yeah. just it fully makes sense yeah. and unlike something like maybe learning how to play the piano or guitar or something, something that where, where there are certain people who all of a sudden just pick it up and they sort of, it makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. But watching somebody go from not obviously just not understanding what's going on to just making some maneuver or something happens. And all of a sudden, bloop, 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 mm-hmm. and there's this spark and, and then all it, it, they're sailing changes completely. When we started going sort of more downwind and broad reaching, and, and again, this has to do with the gusty conditions because the boat's not flailing yes, as I much. and I asked about that, too. I was like, broad Then ranging. you were nailing that course yeah. straight down. You were heading towards stuff. And, you know, if you ever find yourself out at sea for whatever reason and you're on a boat by yourself. I hope not. There's no land around. Yeah. Look at this, all right? So okay. you're out there. Oh, okay. Hundreds okay. of miles from New York okay. Harbor. <laughs> and you've got to try and find your way back. So that's when the compass comes <laughs> in handy. Put that compass right on west, and you just ride that sucker. West. Well, if you want to go back, unless you want to go across to okay. England, I guess.
1: Okay.
0: You know what's funny is that I just lean into things being my true north, and every time I look at a compass, I just assume Oh,
2: if you go to north, your north is the right, Cape right Cape
0: direction.
2: Cod, <laughs> you can stop yeah. in for some steamers, or okay, you make west. it past that. You go right to Maine, come in mm-hmm. for some lobsters up there in yeah. Rockland.
1: I would love
2: that. Just, just stay away from Sable Island and the Grand Banks. Okay. Treacherous waters out there. You ever heard of the Perfect Storm?
0: Uh yes. Yeah. That's yes. Where it happened. Have. Oh God. That's
2: where it happened.
0: Okay. That's.
2: <laughs> well, cheers. Hey, cheers, cheers. young lady you this is awesome thanks for having me hey i honestly i love it any chance i get and i i don't know i guess some people might say this is like sexist of me or whatever Hmm. but any chance i get to be able to sit down and have a conversation with a female it's it's just like yeah absolutely got to get them because i i know that the yachting world is sort of male dominated uh at least my yachting world up in maine it's it's like only guys around but uh i it's It's great because I That's love amazing. getting the female perspective, especially from like live aboards that stay on their boats, like I'll have couples, and you know I'll interview the husband, we'll talk about engines and electricity mm-hmm. and this and that, and then then I'll pull aside and grab grab the uh, other half, and then you get a whole <laughs> different perspective on things, so you I'm really just do. like yeah like oh, it's, it's, it's a little different and I, I don't know, I like that it's you gotta have that balance, I think
0: well. This is really exciting for me because I've also never been on a podcast, but I also absolutely love listening to stories from anybody.
2: What do you normally listen to?
0: That's a really great question. Podcast-wise. So to be honest with you, I don't listen to many podcasts only because I'm from New York City and I am inundated with people all day telling me what to do, hearing just stories and voices nonstop that I actually tend to listen to music because it's my escape.
2: Yeah, right.
0: I think that when I tend to go for information or inspiration, that's when I read articles or that's when I then do my research online and yeah. that's all digital. Um although I would read about them in books as well, but Believe it or not, the reason why I've leaned against podcasts unless they're a true crime podcast, which is kind of funny oh, is yeah. just because of the saturation of it's hard to find a good one. yeah yeah in a very long time and in a ve- in in a very busy city mm-hmm. yeah
2: well, and there's a I mean I wonder how many podcasts are actually coming out of New York City.
0: Probably many. There's
2: probably a ton. because I, I think yeah. right now there's probably just under, or there's in between two and three million podcasts out there. That's how total explosive yeah. it has been over the last like I five it. years.
0: Well, think about the power of conversation. I
2: long form conversation yes. is is absolutely. I, I think it's crucial mm-hmm. to actually understanding what anyone has to say
0: because anybody can take a snippet of anything that someone said oh, and yeah, turn it yeah. into a full-blown story. But unless you have the context and unless you actually have the time and the patience to sit down and listen to it,
2: yeah, right. what else are you exactly. going to do? Not Already, sure.
0: this is so much fun. I'd never oh, want to leave I'm, this chair. I'm
2: so glad you're yeah. enjoying it.
0: I, I'm having the best I time. I know, right? It's, it's, yeah. and
2: it, well, that's the thing. I, that's what I've always sort of strived to do with this podcast. It's just, it. it essentially is just an excuse for me to sit down with another person. Yeah. And I've... I'm lucky because I, I've gotten to a point where this whole arm with the microphone here and the screen, mm-hmm. they're pretty much non-existent to me. Yeah, And so I can sort of focus more in on the person, even though my eyes are sort of darting around. They okay. really have to, but it's, it's one of those things where after the first five, ten minutes, suddenly... It disappears. It disappears, and yeah. now we're just having a good conversation. And I think that's where the really good stuff, the really good content, um, and, and not just for the listeners, which obviously I want to do that for, Mm -hmm. but if I'm going to be honest, I do this a lot just for for me because I spend so much time alone. It's really nice to be able to connect. And I, you know, even when I was a teenager, I can remember, I mean, think about it. You remember those days you're in like high school. And you're just exploring sort of philosophy and thought and all these crazy ideas from aliens to the end of the world, to the world around us, to the environment, all this stuff. And think about how many times you sat around with your friends and talked for like seven hours straight.
0: No, honestly, well, in high school for me, very few times, I went to an all girls high school in New Jersey. So there were very few
2: Kind oh of, really?
0: Yes, mind-boggling conversations that lasted for hours. But you must
2: have had a few, right?
0: Yeah, but I wouldn't call them ones that were for a very long amount of time. For me, that happened once I got to college. That oh, was just okay, where, okay. Yeah, where I found
2: people. A that late bloomer. Good to a know. A late bloomer. Right.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Copy I'm that. blossoming now. <laughs> it's okay.
2: <laughs> Tell you what, you are on fire. No. <laughs> yeah it's fun to talk to
0: yeah we're having women on the podcast we're kind of fun just oh sipping a little God. white wine and, honestly
2: it's yeah. yeah it's it's a lot of fun because yeah. i don't know i i have fun talking to anybody on this podcast um it just yeah i mean we're we're having our little little post-dinner cocktail well, post-sale cocktail which is really nice and
0: red bull and kettle one and for the lady and yeah. premier crew chablis
2: you're not supposed to tell people. That. <laughs> oh my it's god! Sugar-free Red Bull. It's by sugar-free the way. Red Bull. I don't know if yeah, that makes exactly. It any no, there's
0: some sugar in my wine, so it's totally fine. Mm. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, no, I don't I know. It. I, you, it, it's it's one of those things. That I always want to have a balanced perspective. And as as this podcast sort of branches out uh, away from sailing, it'll always be at the core. I think sailing mm. and adventure, but there's so much to life that. I I want to explore every last little bit and so much of it. Just you and I I feel like we could just chat on about nothing in particular for for a long time. Like I could Thank ask you. you what do you think about Jerome's Town?
0: Oh my god, I'm so happy you brought that up. I wasn't sure if I was allowed to bring it up because oh, this I don't is know no if it breached privacy. Yeah. No <laughs> I honestly wasn't sure, but I really The location to.
2: might be, but the uh
0: No, I will not give any sort of secret address or even city for that matter. But for the maybe first-time listener, I don't know. It's my, maybe it would be my first time listening to this podcast, too. I am literally in a tent in northern Michigan on a pallet that you made, right? You built all of this.
2: I call it a platform, yeah, but whatever. Oh, a
0: platform. Okay. It's well, been it, here for five years elevated. now. I, I'm, okay, I'm so sorry.
2: <laughs> I love it. And I'm
0: sitting at a folding card table that I smoked— jerome at in texas hold'em last summer oh so, that's
2: correct yes yeah. thanks for bringing that you're up. you're so
0: welcome copy that i can't wait and maybe i might break into a passion fruit white claw after this i, I they're have no always idea. available thank you right so much i refreshed your stock because i <laughs> had one too many last night yeah that's it huh.
2: i don't know well i i've always i've always loved the ambiance out here and uh I think I must have told you, but it was one of those things. Special. It pre so when I went on the trip around the world before that for I don't know, two or three summers, I would come up here if I needed if I couldn't get the crew together to go camping up north,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I'd come up here, I found this spot, it didn't have anything here, just a fire pit and a spot where I'd sort of rake the sticks away. And I would just come up with my little tent and I would Yeah stay for a couple of nights, you know, just to I don't know, sleep in the woods. Right. I like doing that.
0: Was this fire pit here, or did you also the fire build pit, this fire pit?
2: The fire pit, in a lot of ways, that fire pit is the anchor point of what developed around it. Got it. So that yeah. has never changed. Um, and yeah, I mean, even, yeah, well, I don't want to, I don't want to describe too much about it just because it'll be hard <laughs> for anybody to imagine, but- essentially when i was out there on the ocean for that long i spent a lot of time thinking about and designing what i wanted to mm. have cuz i knew eventually i would get back to land and i knew that i had to come back here cuz my mom and everything so i i figured well if i'm going to come back here i'm going to do it right make it your own. and i'm going to make it big and i'm going to make it crazy and uh, it's
0: absolutely spectacular so
2: it's come out of yeah. it yeah
0: well Any sort of mystical fairy tale of a dreamland in the middle of the woods with little tea lights going and a fire pit. It is And then also some Billie Eilish in the background because I do love your pop music playlists that you do play.
2: (laughs) Honestly. Gotta stay current, people.
0: (laughs) The coolest, the coolest place to visit.
2: Last night. When we put what was that it, soundtrack, Lexi? oh my
0: god, the Lord of the Rings! Yeah,
2: if you go to YouTube and <laughs> you put in Lord of the Rings yeah. Shire music, well, guess what? A two-hour mix, hours of that, and we yeah. turn on that. Was that felt? That was special. That was very that special. Was, it was, it was really It was pretty amazing. Yeah, like I, I'm so glad that people enjoy it and don't, you know, see this place. And although, if somebody walked up here and was like, "Dude, what?" is this? I'd probably well, be like, you, wouldn't invite them to be you know on the what? It's nothing. No, Actually, we should probably go back to my parents' place. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's one of those no, things. No, it's but... amazing.
0: It, this is, I remember the first time walking up into this, like the survivor style um the what do you entrance, call yeah. what do you call the um, the elimination
2: Oh yeah Remember
0: with the bonfire right, why can't right, I right. remember this for the life of me but you have the tiki torches leading up to the final bonfire the final, the final bonfire yeah. right and then you have your names that you write on that parchment paper <laughs> That's what it reminded me of I'm like is Jeff Propes going to jump out of the forest mm. and welcome me to yeah, right. yeah yeah
2: Welcome to the judgment
0: I know <laughs> You're like okay
1: oh, but geez. yes
2: All right well Believe it or not, we're eating through some serious time, and I want to make sure oh we goodness, can get yeah. back to uh, socializing. I I kind of feel bad for for dragging us away right now. I
0: helped your mom load the dishwasher. Well, that's the thing. It's okay. You know, it's
2: one of those things they they yeah they're fine. Yeah, and I, the other I just Jerome to make sure fine. happened yeah, 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 exactly. So, but I did want to get into your little area of expertise how long have you been in precious stones and gemstones and jewelry and all that
0: my goodness honestly just since November 2020 oh wow I started working for a jewelry company before that it was wine and grapes and champagne and still spirit distilled spirits and and everything like that doing what Jerome did my my Jerome yeah um and then finding my way into Luxury jewelry was an opportunity that one, I would have probably never had if not for COVID, but two, an opportunity to see that there are links between jewelry and gemstones, but then also just the luxury lifestyle in general, which is what I worked with when I worked with wine and champagne for years. So for me, gemstones is something that I'm constantly learning about, I still have a very baseline foundational level of knowledge, but it's also something that I am completely dazzled by every day. And it's been an opportunity for me to learn about that and, and train on it when I'm not up here relaxing. <laughs> yeah, so right. I, yeah.
2: Well, I I, mean, for me, I, I think for probably most men in general, there's not a huge call for knowing about all these different stones and all that. Cause I, you know, the vast majority of jewelry is, is hanging on a female's neck sure, or, or whatever. But like, and yeah. I, I, again, I'm not trying to be like sexist or anything like that. Um, I want to I stay as balanced as possible. But hey, you know what? It's me. Whatever. What, mm-hmm. what can I say? <laughs> so I don't, I, I've I always been sort of enthralled by it. I mean, any time that I've ever seen a, a very beautiful necklace or a brooch or a bracelet or something like that, when it has actual stones in it, mm-hmm. there's if I'm given the opportunity to really look at it, they're remarkable. And watching mm-hmm. when the one that I've really been able to... Sort of, I guess, set my imagination off was my sister Ina. She's got that wedding ring, which is a sapphire—that deep, beautiful blue—that mm-hmm. reminds me of offshore ocean color. Yeah. And I guess I don't know. Does it is that is that something that you see when you look at some of these things? Oh, absolutely. are you physically, you know? Handling oh, I'm playing. Some of these I'm
0: handling. I'm playing. I'm playing dress up nonstop. So I can absolutely relate. To what you're talking about when you talked about your sister in law's.
2: There's an allure to it. Right? There's an allure to
0: it. And something that, up until the opportunity for me to have transitioned into working with precious stones and gemstones for so long, was I never had the opportunity to touch and play and interact with these. Yeah. So, for example, the moment, think of think of anything you're passionate about and think about why you became passionate about it and then the first time you were actually able to lay hands on something. And for you, I know that I asked you earlier today, like, when are you happiest on the water? And it's that emotional connection that you have to something that you're passionate about. And I never knew that I was excited or passionate about gemstones until I had a one million dollar diamond necklace on my collar and I was able to see how it was it could transform into something truly spectacular or when you look at stones and they have this brilliant dance of color in them just because they catch the light in a certain way
1: yeah yeah and
0: it has character to it that a gemstone specifically maybe like a diamond or a ruby or a sapphire it's it's a it's not living, right? It's just a tangible piece of, a ge- it's a gemstone.
2: Well, it's, yeah, it's like, uh, it's elemental.
0: It is. It's, for a diamond, it's made of carbon. Right. Um, and I was in a training for my company a little earlier uh, this month, and something that resonated with me was that a diamond and graphite are made of the same exact chemical compound, which is carbon mm-hmm. the only difference is that a diamond is formed under a specific temperature and a specific pressure and it is different than graphite which makes graphite graphite and a diamond a diamond so unless you have this specific elemental environment created environmental in- setting created for this dimest- diamond you're only going to get graphite which is why when you look at this particular beautiful creation a diamond should be one of a kind because it only takes that amount of time to create which could be millions of years right right yeah so for me looking at jewelry i grew up and my family wore a lot of gold gold is a precious metal but it's not a gemstone
2: is that the italian in you it's the
0: italian in me it's without
2: saying your last name
0: oh god Yes,
2: Your first name, I think, says it all.
0: Francesca. Francesca. Francesca Dimituto. No.
1: <laughs>
0: no, it's it's you're on the Ponte Vecchio in Florence and you're going to all these beautiful jewelry makers and they're making precious silver, sterling silver and gold. I had never been in an environment that allowed me to wear not just multi-thousand dollar, but multi-million dollar styles of jewelry before and that's very new very new but also incredibly spectacular
2: well there is there's something about it that i and i don't know if it's just the rarity or the story behind it or the absolute minuscule chance that those things come out of the earth yeah and then on top of that are found by someone i mean because diamonds Diamonds are pretty rare. You've got the Kimberline pipe.
0: Exactly. How do you know that?
2: With. Uh, you know, I it's always sort of interested me that sort of stuff. Really? I mean, you know, I've done my little fair share of little treasure hunting. That's but...
0: also so important that you know that because that's only the like the right way that diamonds should be sourced and sold. So. Yeah,
2: because yeah. they can be created in a lab. Well, exactly. But they're not exactly. The same. Yeah, they got to shoot out from the mantle itself and. Um, the biggest the biggest
0: how do you know all of this, this I is watched it I, I,
2: I don't know wow. I, I think that I think diamonds and precious metals and, and mostly gemstones though have always sort of captivated people and yeah. and I think there's something about them not not just their physical beauty but there's something about their rarity and you know, because they aren't the, the emeralds, they're coming out of mm-hmm. Colombia. Yeah. Right? They are. And where do rubies come from?
0: Rubies also come from all over the world. I think that if you were to look at a map, almost similarly to where you find specific wind patterns existing in certain parts of the world, yeah. gemstones are the same way. So if you look at a map of the world, rubies come from specific countries, so to emeralds, so to diamonds, so to sapphires. So... It's one of those things where you can make them in a lab, but if you go to those sources like Cambodia yeah. or to South Africa or to Canada, you're only finding specific spots that, yes, they might be hot spots, quote unquote, but they're also, it doesn't mean that you can find them endlessly.
2: Yeah, exactly. They're
0: still so unique and rare and it takes all of that time to create them. And then you talk about the quality of what's created because- Yeah. Just because you might find a ruby coming out of Cambodia, does it mean that it's a ruby up to the caliber that you might want to make a beautiful creation with?
2: Right, right. Yeah, yeah it is. I, I, It's it's fascinating. And I, I think one of the most interesting, and I don't know if it falls under the category of gemstones, but in Australia, the, the opals. Yeah. And they're, I, I can't remember where I saw it. It was definitely on the internet. But they were searching for... I mean, when you look at these, these stones, it looks like you're looking at a picture that the James Webb telescope took. Mm-hmm. All yes. these different colors. Yes. And do you have any idea what I'm talking about, though? I do.
0: I do. And I, I'm are they opals? kicking myself. They are opals. There's three different types of opals. And I wish that I remembered all three of them specifically, but of the three types... There's one specifically that has this kind of fractured iridescence to it. Yeah, That when yeah. you look at it, the colors flicker like a kaleidoscope. It's crazy. And that's a specific type. So you're absolutely right. Just for the sake of not being incorrect, I don't want to give you a name or make up a name. Yeah, oh, no But worries. at the same time, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right.
2: Well, there's, there's just, I mean, there's there's something about them that just all of them. It's it's like they're hypnotic, yeah. In a way, yeah. Oh, let me ask you this. Oh, tell me real quick. Uh I saw again through the internet my my best (laughs) friend here. uh, I believe it was a documentary on the Hope Diamond, Mm. and I believe when they put it under a certain type of light, it it glows red.
0: There's fluorescence in certain gemstones.
2: But they still don't understand why that one does that.
0: Oh, my God. Well, I feel like if I knew why the Hope Diamond glowed red, I would be in a very different position
2: (laughs) than in Jerome's town
0: right now. got to
2: figure these pyramids out. Who knows?
0: But, yes, certain gemstones have that type of fluorescence quality where when they're under ultraviolet light or just different types of light. Um, Yeah. I went to the American Museum of Natural History last week and they just or recently opened up a new permanent exhibit on gems and gemstones and there's one hall that is all of the stones are in kind of this darkness and there are different lights that shine on big stones to show the different colors it's amazing which museum is that sorry the american museum of natural history
2: in new york city in new york city so
0: with the dinosaurs and the big blue whale right right yeah the night at the museum. I think that was the museum. I had.
2: believe so. Yeah, yeah. I've been That might have been the Smithsonian been
0: in the second one. Oh, it's a great one. I know. I mean, I've
2: been to. I've been to. It's every of first that grader's dream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, mine too.
0: Yeah. Me too. Still, my, <laughs> still <laughs> one of my favorite museums. It's
2: awe inspiring. I the the last big museums that I went to, I think were in Chicago. Oh and, yeah. And uh, I believe it's the Natural History Museum there, where mm-hmm. they have the. The U-boat, and they've got the coal mine and all that stuff. I it's it's pretty striking. I, I I would love to be able to have the means and the time to go and visit some of the big big museums around the world. I've been to the British Museum, British Historic. No, I can't even remember. It it's sounds been, about right. I wish was I in could correct you, But yeah, nine or ninety eight. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who
0: knows? No, I I just bring it up because you're you're right that.
2: And we're back. You want to give me a little uh, yeah? Mic check? Am I back? Yeah, no, boys. No, I am. Yep. You, oh, oh thank- you are back in a big way. Oh,
0: gosh. Should I push the microphone no, away?
2: No, 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 no. Keep it right there.
0: Then I'm going to lean in.
2: It's perfect. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> You're getting full, Francesca. <laughs> Cheers again. Welcome Cheers. back to the show. Thanks yeah. for
0: having me. This is ridiculously fun.
2: Oh, I'm glad you like yeah. it. It is. You it's know? just
0: for anybody who has not done a podcast before, it's just talking and having a cocktail or a glass of coffee like a cup of coffee or yeah, yeah it's so much fun
2: a lot of people though uh, uh when i first mention it they're like yeah we'll get a bunch of yeah. beers and oh. then we'll yeah, and i'm like you, have to be you careful." Know, honestly first off like yeah you're talking the whole time so you can barely drink but the other is that you want it to be an intelligible conversation. Absolutely.
0: People Do people get stage fright for a podcast? Yeah.
2: Oh, absolutely. I I get denied many a time. People are like, yeah, nah, they'll they'll avoid me like those the plague. that
0: you invite onto the podcast, yeah, onto the pod oh, for
2: sure. Well, they'll, yeah. they'll always say, oh yeah, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. Oh, maybe and they push tomorrow, it off into the
0: inevitable I'll... tomorrow.
2: Yeah, 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 it's one of those things, but I, and it's understandable. I I remember my first. The first time I was invited on somebody's podcast, I was nervous. Yeah. It was also a bit of a job interview as well. It was Oh for my a gosh. Agency. Could
0: you imagine?
2: Yeah. And it didn't That's it was
0: ridiculous. The
2: worst part is when I listen to it now. It's probably yeah. the only one I've ever actually listened to. When I listen to it now, I'm like, "Man, this guy didn't you know, he, he didn't, didn't ask do that any good real of a questions." Job. And he didn't really I let know. me even talk. But he wasn't yeah. granted though. He wasn't in the room. This is why I always do in person stuff because you actually get you have a, to. a genuine conversation. Yeah. You're not getting a phone conversation, which is very no, different, I think. They I are. can eyeball you. When you start telling lies. I'm looking I'm like,
0: right into your eyes.
2: And your eyes.
0: Yeah. They're I mean, I'm sure they I'm seem still staring honest. right they at seem you. Seem I honest. think they're honest <laughs> eyes. No, I it's think it's a
2: stare down, <laughs> folks.
0: In the middle of the woods, mm-hmm. there's nobody there to judge yeah, who just won the stair competition. And deer. That's yeah, <laughs> about all
2: there is out there. Well, okay, now to just start sorry, to, so we're to, back to, to to nail back on that. Let me ask you this: so, with with stones, do you think the you know obviously the history, the geologic history, the rareness of them adds obviously a huge amount of value? What do you think about the value that gets added on to a stone? From its human story, when it passes from one person to another, do you ever deal with, um, you know, necklaces and things that, that have stones that have passed through human hands and celebrities? Because obviously yeah. it's the high and mighty of society that hold on to the big ones, but they always end up getting passed on and sold.
1: What
0: a great, great question. Only because there's right now... I can answer it in two ways. And the first one is that gemstones, especially fine and precious stones, they they don't, they do, but they don't change. So if you look at a precious diamond, and it is of the highest quality, of the highest caliber, it's certified, it has the characteristics that make it the most optimal and precious of stone as opposed to one that has lower gradations on a grading scale yeah no matter whose hands that stone has fallen into if that stone is certified to a certain quality or caliber you will have a spectacular stone that has a certain value to it that won't diminish If you're looking at something that might be of a precious metal or of a gemstone that might evolve over time, maybe something like a mother of pearl, which I'm sure you can relate to because a mother of pearl comes from an organic material, an oyster stone. Oh, yeah. And an oyster stone that lives and thrives underwater in salt water, the moment you remove it from its natural habitat, it starts to evolve and change because it's not the environment that it was meant to thrive in. Unless you care for something like a mother of pearl with the utmost um, attention, even something that, let's just say for an example, and I'm being purely hypothetical, Princess Diana owned. If that piece of yellow gold and mother of pearl was passed down to a pair of hands that didn't care for it in the right way, it doesn't matter really who owned it because the quality of that stone will be so diminished so you there's there's the two ways that i'm thinking about it is yes it comes from the heritage and the pedigree and the patrimony of those that owned that specific piece of jewelry yeah but then you it also comes down to the internal characteristics of the stone itself. So if it's something that's a fine stone, like a diamond, that's the hardest stone that exists on what people call the Mohs scale. So it's an actual kind of gradation of hardness to softness. And the harder the stone, the more durable the stone, which is why engagement rings with diamonds can last for generations to come, whereas something with a softer stone, you have to care for more. Um, But I think To answer your question, if a piece of jewelry is passed down and it is not cared for, it depends on the material of the jewelry in order for it to be considered, Um, I don't know, if you think about pieces that go to auction, right? It has to to be handled a certain way in addition to having the right material.
2: Does that come into play? If if it if a if a piece goes to auction mm-hmm. and it's just a piece and it's been owned by some person that nobody knows and goes up against the same sort of piece that was owned, like you said, by like Princess Diana or um, famous celebrities, yeah, socialites, like anybody. All of a sudden, does right? that does that really affect the price and it does. all that sort of stuff? It does.
0: It does because likely. Somebody, a socialite or somebody like Princess Diana or, um, I mean, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, right? You're, you're thinking about people that have purchased jewelry throughout the ages and the generations. They're not making their own jewelry. And unlike jewelry today, where you have small jewelry makers creating these beautiful pieces of jewelry, you have the prestige of jewelry houses like a Tiffany or a Harry Winston or a Cartier or a Van Cleef & Arpels or a Graf. Mm-hmm. And that's the heritage that buyers at Sotheby's are, are looking for, for uh, example, at auction okay. houses. So it's not just the stone and how the stone is cared for it and the quality yeah, it's that's who, who created it right. because there's another level and i can i can try and 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 relate this into another metaphor but it, well it's, what i'm it's thinking actually... of is like it comes down to the hands and the eyes of the craftsman that created it yeah. and if the world has renowned the eyes and the hands of a specific jewelry house to be spectacular Pieces of jewelry coming out of that are going to be spectacular.
2: Right. Well, it's very, it's ringing true in my head as the way some classic yachts, when they are basically, typically the the birth of an actual like sailing yacht would be Mm -hmm. that you take this design, which is made by a designer, which could be just somebody in a bar scribbling on a napkin, or it could be. Someone who is well-established and they make these beautiful designs like Hans Christensen. And I'm probably murdering who these people are because I'm not really <laughs> not really all that studied in other boats besides West Sales. But uh, it's not only the person that sort of comes up with the idea and the plans for the yacht, but it's also the boatyard that yes. builds the yacht. And actually, you know, there's some yes. that are... Unknown. And then there's some that have decades and decades of history and, you know, they make these great perfect boats and then they're known for strength and and endurance and this and that. And then when all those things come together, then you get this really just a piece of art. Beautiful piece of craftsmanship. It's been made. Yeah. And it's it's really. ah, So there are similarities.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Although I feel like I feel like a a gemstone would probably Mm. appreciate in value. Certain Whereas ones. Boats, uh, <laughs> they kind of have a tendency to depreciate, no matter what. I don't know. I don't know of any boats that but really they don't depreciate.
0: Are fun. But they, are, they fun, are fun. Yeah. I think they it's because so you
2: know, imagine sticking the Hope Diamond under salt water. For oh nine God. months out of the year. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's the perfect reaction yeah. <laughs> I was looking for. Oh, what? No. That's what we have to do with yeah. our, our little boats. So.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, that's sort of interesting. Are there is there any uh, any lore or any any um, mm,
0: about gemstones?
2: Yeah, any big Ooh,
0: I could tell cool you a story. Yeah, I yeah. could tell you a story. So you're familiar with, I'm assuming, the phrase knock on wood. Right? like
2: Oh, I have to do that all this time.
0: Yeah. You know, like, knock on wood for good luck, or somebody says, like, I should oh, gosh, right. I should, you knock know, like, whatever, wood. knock on wood. Do you know the premise of why people say knock on wood? I do not. Ooh, so
2: fun. <laughs> Ooh, I can I'm, tell you. <laughs> like, leaning, I'm,
0: leaning into my storytelling voice. All right, yeah. So the lore, or the fairy tale of knock on wood, comes from the fact that wood was known in the early 1900s as a very lucky material. One of the reasons why wood was known as a lucky material was because that was the time of World War I. And any sort of harder material, stainless steel, iron, all of that was sent to create materials for World War I. So whatever was left was something that was porous and it wasn't durable. So wood was kind of the only material that people could build or create uh, materials from, even precious jewelry. So, knock on wood comes from the saying of bringing luck because if you were in the forest, people believed that magical fairies lived in trees, in forests. And if you wanted to be lucky, to find a lucky fairy to grant you a wish, you'd go through the forests and you'd knock on trees...
2: No way, yeah, really. I
0: mean, it's one story to yeah, try yeah. and grant you luck, protection, or a wish, so you'd knock on your trees to find your lucky fairy, and your lucky fairy would grant you a wish, and through the countless numbers of generations that came through, knocking on trees for fairies turned into knocking on wood,
2: yeah, yeah. so it's what well, well, I mean when I think of of that term knocking on wood or that saying. It's it's something you say after you make a claim. Yes, of like, <laughs> oh, yes. today's going to be perfect yeah, knock conditions on wood. for sailing across yeah. George's. It's not going to
0: rain on my knock wedding on day. Wood. Knock on wood. Yeah, exactly, right. ah. exactly. No, so it was one of those things where I mean, I guess before or after, that was where the lore came from. That's
2: very interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's there. You cool go. For sharing. I, I should- know. Huh? I it's see, a fun one. I
0: was, I my mind was blown when I heard that. I am a very gullible person. Yeah, but I believe. I'm like,
2: what? Oh, I believe stuff all the time. Yeah, okay. and you know, I when I was younger, I used to just get taken by people all, all the time. They tell these stories, and then they'd watch my reaction, and they'd be like, "Dude, no, I'm, I'm."
0: Yeah, I'm, j- I'm joshing, joshing with here. you, joking with you. Yeah, I got
2: pretty good at it though. Um My favorite one to tell people was Is this a real story or a fake story? Oh, it's a real story. Okay. So obviously I have web toes. I don't know if you knew that. No. Yeah, my my two middle toes on both feet are webbed pretty i much literally stared at the them end. on
0: the sailboat today yeah didn't I, even notice
2: essentially yeah i mean most people are look at like my big toenails that are all cracked and gross no fungus i look at but... them
0: because you carry miles and that's important
2: oh, there's, there's miles barefoot running <laughs> will do damage yeah uh, you're not gonna win no, that's any, why. Uh, any uh
0: anyway beauty pageants.
2: but in any event so I would show people, I'd be, oh, yeah, no, I got toes. And they look at them. And, and it always it took two, three, four seconds. And then I'd hear, oh, whoa, what? <laughs> look at, oh. And I, <laughs> when they're wrapped up in that sort of surprise, that's when yeah. I would always really quickly say, I'd be like, yeah, dude, banned from the 82 Olympics. I couldn't believe it. Shut up. Swimming. <laughs> and then And then I would try and change the subject. So I sort of mixed them up. Yeah. And they were worried about what something happened? else. and. I I would say 95% of the people that I try and get with that one, eventually they're like, dude, really? Like you couldn't compete? <laughs> and it's one of those things where I'm like, I would have been three years old in 1982. I don't even know if they right. had the Olympics in 82, but for some reason it, it sort was just, of that number. Yeah, in my head. <laughs> oh gosh, oh. I love doing that. Well, also there's that. the
0: trick to knowing the, the Olympic year, which is that it's divisible by four. So an Olympic year... And a presidential year always fall on the same year. Oh, really? So, for example, 1982 would not have been an Olympic year. Yeah, it would have been
2: 1980.
0: Yeah. But that's just like a weird geeky thing that I know. And I'm like, Reagan,
2: Dukakis?
0: I have no idea. I
2: don't know either. I was just a a wee lad at that time.
0: And American history is not my strong suit. Mm. But
2: I'll tell you what. I did see. This is probably a bright side for the internet. They do. (laughs) On YouTube, there have been... Countless amounts of these people that go out into the streets of America and they ask pretty basic questions of the general public. Yes. Obviously, these things are edited.
0: Please don't ask me to try me and, any sort Oh of, no, no, okay. I wouldn't do that. But they, these things are edited to
2: make people look either really stupid or whatever. Yeah. You know, they'll take the the people who can't. A lot of, for example, it'd be like how many how many stars are on the American flag?
1: Right. Yeah, it'd be like 50, 47. But there's yeah, there's but I a know million that there's people
2: 50. That get, yeah thrown off. Yeah. Anyway, I saw one the other day that actually made me smile because he—he was, it was a guy talking to a couple of girls and he, he was like, can you name four American presidents? And this girl just, boom, oh. boom, boom, she rattles four off. And Great. he's like, well, can you rattle four off before 2000? And uh, she just yeah. rattled every single American president Good off. Good for her. She just went Good right down for the line. Her. And I yeah. can remember my grandmother used to be able to do that in under a minute. She had memorized this this sort of, not a limerick, I don't know what you would call it, but kind basically like she could game. just do 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 do, do and uh, I don't know, it was just one of those things where sometimes when I'm scrolling through the endless amount of things that mm-hmm. seem to just be trying to impress upon me that uh, the culture that we live in is, is dying and decaying and everything is just horrible and all this stuff, you find these little diamonds. Bright
1: spots. No pun
2: intended. And uh, it's always kind of cool. It's like, oh, there is light. There is light out there.
0: One of my favorite sayings that I literally heard in a, and I know there's going to be people being like, oh, of course you're talking to a woman. Of course she goes to spin class. But I wanted to give the context of one of my favorite sayings is no diamonds, no pressure. And Ooh. the amount of pressure, not just atmospheric, but actual pressure from the internal earth that needs to create a diamond. Right. One is equivalent to, and I learned this in um, another training that I was in for my company two weeks ago, is that the amount of pressure required to create a diamond. Is the equivalent to eighty full-grown elephants stepping on your big toe?
1: So I don't actually
0: know, which is why they used the metaphor of like the number of bars of pressure. But I can only imagine that eighty full-grown elephants stepping on my big toe to me almost seems like not enough pressure. But I feel like it would actually be a ton of pressure. Oh yeah. Yeah. To be huge. Exactly.
2: Because when it's all funneled down to that teeny little yeah. point on your big toe. Mm-hmm. That's One small amount. point. That's yeah. it.
0: That's the idea. But I just love that idea of no pressure and no diamonds. And without any sort of, like you were saying, adversity or hardship or controversy or hearsay or anything that anybody has to undergo without it you might not be able to rise above.
2: Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know.
0: I know.
2: That's actually I that is a, a common theme among a lot of uh a lot of the stories that I try and tell and a lot of the presentations that I give where, you know, that's something I'm probably gonna have to try and steal and modify. <laughs> if I'm gonna yeah. be honest, just because it's it really is, you know, um there's it seems like there's sort of this idea that i i i want to be as comfortable and secure as possible in my life as much as i can because then i'm safer and i'm less likely to have something happen that might kill me or this or that sure. and the other thing but it truly is those times where you are pushing through adversity the pressure is on You've got just the world coming down on your shoulders, so mm-hmm. to speak, and and you rise to that occasion and all of a sudden, I mean, like you're saying, basically throughout all that that grief and everything that you're that going grit. through, when you punch through it, then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you are, for lack of a better word, a diamond, a diamond. at that point. Yeah. yeah.
0: I don't have many mantras that like I live by or I follow, but there are a couple that, and that is one of my favorites. But I just, I I think that you can relate that to any sort of individual and sometimes the people that tend to overcome the most difficult of hardships or the biggest challenges are the ones that tend to rise above as opposed to perhaps
2: crumbling. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And I would be a very, very boring individual if I didn't have the challenges and the hardships and the deaths and the pain, right? Like you think about that. And there's that negativity that that kind of um I don't know what you would call it, right? It, the the well, suffocating Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the suffocating. I feel like you're drowning. Darkness. Yeah. And then the ability to find one simple win, regardless of whether it's a small win or an earth-shattering, huge fireworks display of a huge symphony of a win, Yeah, you did it. And I like that saying a lot because it tends to remind me of the fact that Yeah, you have the No Pressure, No Diamonds. You have the Rihanna song Shine Bright Like a Diamond, right? Like you have, by the way. My God, we're gonna play that in Jerome's Town after this podcast, by the way. For sure. Kaboom.
1: Kaboom
0: at home. Yes. I mean, that's a you play that song at full blast and it feels good for a reason. It does. And that character, that feeling, that emotion, that's what it comes down to.
2: Well, and I I think you're really on to something because it it is. You know, life is a series of different experiences, and yeah. if if there, I, I've I've always when you, it's hard for me to uh, eloquently put this, but basically, I've I've come into contact with people that are just like I just want to be happy again, like oh. I was, you know, before. Sure. And it's sort of like, well, you know, you've been going through this this awful experience for all these years, or this or that, and. You want to return to this time before any of these experiences, any of this bad stuff happened. Yeah. Obviously, it's not going to happen. But um, the person who comes out of this, when you finally do make it through the weeds and you come up for air and you're sort of like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. OK, I am going to move on and yeah. I am going to start over and I'm going to do, you know, I, I've just I've I've I've. Crawled through all this this swamp, and now I'm out. Yeah, that person is a thousand times more interesting, more lived, more experienced because they had to go through that. Like, if your life is just all rainbows and butterflies, mm-hmm. I mean, I, mean, I got to tell you, it's it's.
0: I can't relate. Can't and also, relate. they're probably and lying.
2: And well, yeah, I mean, I see yeah. that. But even even if somebody isn't, somebody is just so insulated. That they've never had to go through any sort of adversity at all. I, uh, I, yeah. I mean, who? What? What are you even going to talk about?
0: I don't know. I mean, there. You're absolutely right. There's this beautiful romanticism of overcoming that I think to many people can feel like it's. I mean, for lack of a better word, BS or
1: yeah.
2: I don't oh, want to yeah, curse no, on a podcast. Sure. But, well, on this uh, one you can, but we've I done know. a good job of not.
0: I know. I'm really, Let's I'm go. proud of myself, honestly. But there's well, usually you folks. Think
2: she swears like a sailor. You should have seen her only, on the
0: boat, only on the sailboat, and it, it might have been two times. I it put was my earplugs in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was no. You have uh, these, like you know that. Uh, you
2: didn't swear on the boat. I'm
0: just. Kidding. I I swear it at least once or twice.
2: Okay,
1: probably.
0: Yeah, yeah. probably once or twice, and it was a she big. Said, it was a poo. big one. It was it was the f word, ladies and gentlemen. You know, just oh, like the gentleman. I did. Yeah. I definitely said the F okay. word when yeah. I lost the wind. Um, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And I think that these mantras are mantras for a reason. But I also think that you create these beautiful stories. One creates these beautiful stories from that light of inspiration. And if you want to look at it in any sort of context, I'm on this podcast with you, and I don't know. Every single other person that you've inter, like, I, I mean, conversed with on these types of conversations, but it's also something where there is this similarity in the human connection where we've gone through hard things, we've gone through challenges, and that ability to overcome, to stay optimistic, to stay positive. I'm the type of person where I tend to relate to people that stay positive in those types of conversations or instances as opposed to the ones that go into hiding only because I know that that's where I find my energy. And if you're looking at something like, Will go back to a diamond, right? Mm-hmm. They're grown at 100 meters below the Earth's surface at specific temperatures and pressures that me as a human, I would never be able to endure. And when I get to wear my engagement ring on my ring finger and I look at not just what that small stone had to overcome. But I look at the generations that it had to pass through, that's the beauty of a gemstone. That's the beauty of a diamond, is that it comes from years of living, breathing existence that make it worth passing down. And that's where I look at what I do when I say, these are the stories that are worth telling, because it goes beyond any sort of dollar amount. It goes much, much deeper than that because you're not just passing down something that's valuable. You're passing down memories and legacies and generations of memories that people need to remember.
2: I've got goosebumps, ladies and gentlemen. I do. That was the goal. That was beautiful. That was the goal. (sighs) I'm going to end it right there. Cause I, I don't, there's no way I could wrap it up any better <laughs> than what you've just said. And that was amazing. Thank you. And we've been on for quite a long time now. So
0: more than 30 minutes. I think uh, you said. Probably
2: close to an hour. Yeah. An hour, so <laughs> I, I can't thank you enough, Francesca. This was great. Thank and you. I, you know what? Now I'm just waiting until the next time
0: I finished my wine. So we'll cheers to a passion fruit white claw after this.
2: Sounds good. Cheers. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, Good luck marrying my cousin.
0: I love you. Hats
2: off to you. I
0: love you and I love your cousin.
2: Oh, thank you. Well, you have to say that now. So there's no getting out of it. You have the same (laughs) name. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. That was great. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Say a big thank you, a proud one.
1: Thank you so much. This was the best.